0: With you, Susan
1: Rosen. Hi there, this is your host, Susan Rosen. Today I'm going to be talking about hormones and breast cancer. This has to do with women only. There was some new research that came out last August of 2019 having to do with, this was in the Lancet magazine, and they were talking about the results from a study that had looked at and done an analysis on 58 different studies that included information on the type and the timing of hormone. And we're talking about menopausal hormone therapy MHT use in individual women. So the researchers gathered the studies, started gathering the studies in 1992, and they continued doing that until 2018. And then at that point, they correlated all of the information and all of the information, well, information that came out of all of these different studies. I was reading about this in my Harvard Women's Health Watch, which is a monthly newsletter that gets sent out. They were asking Dr. Wendy Chen, who is an assistant professor of medicine at the Harvard Medical School, to go through and provide some answers to just some general questions that have to do with the analysis and the information that got published. And they were talking about, they were asking her about looking at some of the old information that we've all gotten and along with some of the brand new information that came out in 2018. So I'm just going to kind of go through it. I'm not going to read you word for word. I know you're probably very happy about that. But in the meantime, I will tell you what the question is and then essentially what her answer was. So the first question was, what's the connection between hormone therapy and breast cancer? She starts out saying that it has been kind of known, and that this study appears to confirm that women who do the hormone therapy for a longer amount of time have a higher risk of developing invasive breast cancer than those women who take it for a shorter period of time. And I think she's right in that. We all have heard that. We've all been told that when we started going through menopause that we could do the, this hormone therapy, but we probably don't want to do it for the rest of our lives or even for 10 or 15 years. Then she goes on talking about how past studies, such as the Women's Health Initiative, found that the breast cancer risk actually started to go up after two to three years of hormone use, whereas the Lancet study, interestingly enough, found that the risk started to go up almost immediately when the women started to use the MHT hormone therapy. It seems kind of interesting. She says that it may be because of imprecise information about the duration of hormone therapy, but she also says it's reasonable to say that the risk of breast cancer starts to rise a year or so after starting hormone therapy and continues to climb from there, unquote. Then she, she was asked, the question she was asked was, is there a difference in cancer risk depending on the type of therapy a woman uses? And the answer to that is yes, which is not real surprising. So in the Lancet study, they used the estrogen only and the progesterone-estrogen combinations. Um, if you are male and listening to this, you probably don't recognize those, but if you're female, I have no doubt that you do, because that is also the way that a lot of the regular, the old birth control pills, well, still not just old, the current ones, I'm sure the same, the birth control pills were also formulated the same way. So they found in the Lancet that both of those kinds of therapies did elevate the breast cancer risk. And it actually was higher in the women who took the combination therapy, which is kind of interesting. A lot of interesting things in here. They also found that the estrogen-only therapy appear to be higher in normal weight women compared to obese women and the reason that's interesting is because they've always been telling us that it is overweight women who have a higher breast cancer risk because they have higher levels of estrogen in their blood already from being overweight but the Lancet study came out with something a little bit different. So Dr. Chen said she's still not comfortable saying that if you're overweight, you don't have to worry about taking hormones. That really isn't what they were saying, I don't think in the Lancet anyways. But um, so that, that was one thing. Um, and then she was also asked about using the vaginal estrogen And does that also raise the risk of breast cancer? And the answer to that is no. It'd be very unlikely that those estrogens could um, make the breast cancer risk increase. The fourth question on here is, does hormone therapy bring greater risks if it started at a younger age? And she says that the study actually does indicate that. But she thinks there's a reason to question that conclusion. She says that the younger women that were in the study generally took the hormones for a longer period of time. And she believes, and I think this also was kind of shown in the study from what I could see. I also went and looked to the Lancet study myself was that it's really has more to do with duration than to age. And so the earlier you start taking it, the longer you're probably going to take it. And that's going to bring the breast cancer risk up. The next question, which is really interesting, again, I got to stop using that word do the breast cancer risks related to hormone therapy go away once you stop taking hormones? And the answer to that is no. It turns out that the risk stays high for years after you stop the hormone therapy. And then they just Flat Out came out and asked, based on all this information, should women take hormones to manage menopausal symptoms? And her answer, quote unquote, was the bottom line is that if someone wants to use hormone therapy for a few years to manage menopause symptoms, that's still reasonable to do in most cases. But ideally, women should only take hormones for as short a time as possible. In general, what I say to patients is to use non-hormonal strategies first. Which makes a lot of sense to me because there are some other strategies out there. I know that I tried a number of different things when I was going through perimenopause and, and menopause. What the vaginal estrogen actually is is pretty helpful for vaginal issues and things for hot flashes and night sweats um i don't know i'm not sure i guess everything is very personal um but i didn't like it but i lived through it so but i'm sure that there are probably a lot of women who are in a lot worse shape or worse condition from going through menopause than than i did it's a very personal, one-off kind of thing, as I'm sure every woman who's listening to this, who is either perimenopausal or menopausal, knows. Um, You really, what worked for me won't work for somebody else. So you just never know. The last question is, how long is too long when it comes to hormone therapy? And her answer is five years is really the outer limit for hormone use. Ideally, it should be for a year or two at the most, and it should be directed toward addressing symptoms. So, um, it, she also talks about how if you do opt for hormones, be certain to taper off rather than stopping them abruptly when you're ready to discontinue treatment because women who stop hormone therapy suddenly may experience a resurgence in symptoms. So that's also something interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, hm but so that's where that is. Um, well, one more down, but then they they were looking actually because I was looking, as I say, at the Lancet and the difference in the percentages was not that much. So the difference was, I don't know, it was only like two, or th- two to four percent, something like that difference between the breast cancer risk in women who don't take the hormone strategy, hormone therapy. And it was, I think it was something like two to 4% higher in the women who were on the hormone therapy. And even then we were talking about, I think, I believe it came to like 8% or 9%. I don't want to get quoted on it, but it still, it wasn't like we're talking about 50% or something like that. So you may want to try taking hormone therapy for a short amount of time and, and see how that works because it may help you kind of just get over the hump to not having the symptoms, the hot flashes and so on and so forth. One other thing I thought that I would mention is that I, I saw in another uh, newsletter that They were talking about doing genetic tests on all women with breast cancer um, as compared with the typical practice of just testing those with a family history of the disease. They said that it's worth the extra cost, according to a study that was published in the uh, Journal of, of American Medicine, Oncology, and the study authors say their findings actually should prompt the expansion of genetic testing to all women diagnosed with breast cancer, they found that it was very clear that if they test the patients for genetic variances that raise breast cancer risk, such as the BRCA-A, the BRCA-2, and PALB-2, which I think probably most women are all Uh, familiar with those, that it would enable doctors to identify more women who carry those variants in their genes and who therefore might be able to gain some benefit from some of the preventive strategies that they have. Now, the researchers were kind of wondering whether doing so would be too costly Mm -hmm. So what they did was they set up a computer model to analyze the data from more than 11,000 women. And they found that not only would the cost of testing all American women with breast cancer be balanced out by later savings on healthcare services, but also that just one year of testing could prevent an estimated 9,700 new cases of breast and ovarian cancer, and 2,400 deaths. So that sounds pretty impressive to me. I think that if they wanted to ask a lot of women, that a lot of women would definitely, especially those who have breast cancer, would be willing to help fund that. So that's it for today. Um, If you are male and listening to this and you have some women in your life who are either close to going through menopause or are in menopause, you might want to suggest that they give a short listen to this podcast because there may be some information that they may learn And that they can then go and talk to their doctors about. I think it's a very important, very important subject. And I think that the more information that women have, the better it is for them. And the better it is for the people who love them. So just let them know the information is out there. And I'm happy to point them to more of it if they are interested. Just let me know. You can leave me a comment on my website or you can go to my page, my Healthy Tips After 50 page on Facebook and leave me a comment there as well. And I'd be happy to get back to anyone who asks me any kind of a question or leaves me some sort of a comment. So that's it for today. As usual, I will say that I am not a doctor and what I went through today is not considered to be medical advice. I am just trying to give people some information that they can then go and talk to their doctors. So there you are. Also thought I would add one more time, I know I've said this a number of times on my pod at the end of my podcast, which is if there's some subject that you're interested in, let me know. I'd be happy to see if I can find some interesting, uh, there's that word again, information and to do a podcast on. In addition, I am also trying to round up some interesting people to start having on doing interviews with them. I've been meeting a lot of very different folks that are in different areas of the health and wellness business and space. And I was just thinking that it might be kind of interesting. I got to stop saying that, that you guys might find it useful and valuable to hear from some other people. So that's what I'm working on and I hope to be doing more of that starting in the new year. Okay, I will leave you now and I will be talking to you again next week.